Right, welcome everyone to Fast Lips Podcast, episode 49. Uh, I'm joined with me today, my guest, Isaac. Isaac, thank you very much for joining me. How are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty good, man. Awesome. So, um, Isaac, I met through, um, through Instagram, and we've got a mutual friend in Nate Spear, and I had him on a podcast recently, so Isaac kind of reached out, and um, he's got a really interesting story. Now, Isaac's a bodybuilder in NPC League, got a great physique, um, and so he reached out. We kind of want to talk a bit about his, his previous life, and what led him to, to be into bodybuilding. So I think it'll be really interesting. And I think it'll be quite inspirational for a lot of people. And it's something that I really want the podcast to be about. It's how we've used bodybuilding to enhance our lives. Um, and I think that's that's something that, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see. So Isaac, we'll start off with the first question. I'm going to let you talk now. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> what motivates you? So, to what, so what was the um, original question, first one? Sorry, yeah. So what, what motivates you to start bodybuilding? And when did you originally begin lifting weights? So what really motivated me to start is uh, my father. When I was a kid, um, you know, my dad was a bodybuilder. My mom was a fitness model. So she was also a power lifter. Wow. Um, everyone in my family was like health nuts. Um, and when I was young, I, I wrestled. I always was very athletic in the sports. My dad was very uh, strict in the aspect of if you're going to do something, you either do it or you don't you know in that type of way so it really built that platform watching him through his bodybuilding and training you know to uh have that desire to want to have that motivation to look like that because as a kid uh i looked at my father as like superman yeah. you know i thought that's what a man was supposed to look like because i grew up around yeah, big yeah. people you know um so that's kind of, really what motivated kidding. me yeah, so it's just kind of normal. It was like, you know, this is normal. I want to look like this. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. That, I think that I think a lot of guys think that as well. I mean, for me growing up, it was like cartoons, like, you know, He-Man. And, and He-Man yeah. looked, He yeah. looked like Phil Heath. I mean, come on. <laughs> he, looked, he looked jacked, you know? Uh, all right. Yeah. So, so, yeah. No, so, what, what age were you when you picked up your first weights? Uh, I would say probably between the age of seven and eight. Wow. Uh, my dad would take me to the gym with them. All right, yeah. And I would start working out with them. Yeah. And I got into motocross. So, motocross was like, the sport that I thought that I was going to be it, you know, I was going to turn pro. Yeah. I had a track in my backyard. Like I had a coach, you know, and it was, I was doing really good. Great. And uh, so like the uh, weightlifting and all that went hand in hand because you got to be really physically fit. Yeah. And, you know, with my dad always taking me to the gym, I always inspired to be just like him. Yeah. And um, in terms of the wrestling, when did that come in? Uh, wrestling was a little older. Um, like I said, I was always like following my dad's footsteps. He was like a manly man. So impact sports was always something that I felt that, you know, I had to do just to be, you know, I always wanted my dad's attention as a kid. You know, that's how you, how you are as a kid. You always look up to one of your parents and that was the one I looked up to because I thought he was Superman, you know? And, uh, yeah, that's what gave me that motivation. And then I started, uh, when I got into wrestling, though, I was probably 14 years old. And at that point, I was pretty strong. Yeah. And uh, I, th I wrestled when I was 15 and 16 in the heavyweight. And where I lived wow. in Florida, heavyweight was 205. Wow. So, yeah, and I was a pretty big kid back then, yeah, 16 yeah. years old. I have photos of it back. When I was ripped, though, I was like 180 pounds, 175. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, but I was a little heavier set at that point. Yeah. And then I, I really learned more about the dieting aspect. I just knew how to pick up heavyweights. You know, and train right. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, so, in terms of uh, just going to flip back to the motocross, 
when did you stop doing motocross? Well, I stopped doing motocross when I was like 17 years old. I was in a real bad accident. Okay. And uh, I thought, like I said, to this day, motocross is still my number one sport. I love breathe everything, a two stroke dirt bike, you know, and uh, you know, comes with motocross is a lot of accidents when you're fast and you're racing the national level and you're trying to turn pro when you wreck, you're breaking bones. Yeah. You know, I've broken wrists, ankles. I got rods and screws, bulging discs in my back. I'm not, I wasn't even supposed to ever walk again. You know, I have one shorter leg than the other because I, where I broke my growth plate and, you know, being in them situations and, you know, being told these things, I turned to weights because I knew that from a past from being young, you know, and now we'll get into that part later into the, the questionnaire as far as what you want to know, yeah. but bodybuilding helped save my life later in the road, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's great. So we'll move on to the next question then. Um, at some point, there was a sort of a downturn. You, you were doing motocross, which was going great. You were doing wrestling, which was going great. At some point, there was some negativity which entered your life. And that's kind of what we want to talk about a little bit. So would you want to just – you go ahead and expand on that. When did that start? Well, well, like I said, when the motocross, like that was my life. The wrestling, all that stuff was fun. I just did that to be in shape. I think it was more for ego. You know, I was young. And I come from a really good family, so – I was really spoiled to say the least, you know, and that's not to be sound bad or anything like that. I was just, you know, I didn't know what it was like to work for something really in reality because I was given a lot, which was a good thing and a bad thing in the same, you know, it was like a double-edged sword. And, uh, you know, I got hurt and hurt, broken bones. And the next thing you know, I had a real bad accident and I uh, came over a triple. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like three jumps. And I had cased it and dude landed on top of me oh. and it knocked me out. I was in a coma. I had um, rods and screws in my ankle. You know, I'm lucky to be alive today with all the stuff that's just happened. And with that came uh, pain pills, Right. you know, with that accident and uh, being addicted, you know, so it started with the accident and then, you know, the doctors feed you pain pills and they tell you that, you know, it's going to be okay here. Take this, take this. And the next thing you know, I never knew what a drug was. I come from a really good family. You know, my mom's a really big Christian. My dad's never done drugs. Nothing like that. My dad was a really hard worker. Um, and to get addicted to these things and not really know any better because I was naive. My family was naive because the doctors never really informed me yeah. on these kinds of medications. Maybe now in recent times they now are because of the epidemic with you know, drugs and stuff, but, um, say the least I got addicted and, uh, it ruined my life. It really did. You know, sometimes it's hard to talk about still. And I, I tear up, but it's good tears because how far I've come, you know, I won't, I shouldn't be alive today. And I, and I know that, but God has a purpose for me and he, and I'm here for a reason. And I feel like everyone has their, their way to guide people and minds through bodybuilding. Through all my troubles, I can reach to the people in that world and show them because I know that in that world, there's a lot of drug use. So I know that not aside from the other stuff, actual like pain pills and other recreational drugs that these people use to cope with their issues. Yeah, yeah. And they're the ones that I feel like that I can reach and show them how far I've come in my life. And you don't need that, mm. that you can find, you know, a healthy addiction, mm. you know, for me working out was my healthy addiction. It kept me out of prison. 
And that's, that's where I'm going to lead to is with that accidents and over the years and being prescribed pain pills and not knowing any better uh, and not being informed led me to addiction. And then, you know, I never really had a lot of friends because my life revolved around motocross. Yeah. You know, to be that good, you, you're traveling all the time. You know, I have a race bike, practice bike. And there's a lot of money that goes into that. And with, you know, your family spending that type of money, you got to put the time into it. Yeah. So I didn't have the luxury to have the normal life. Yeah. And, you know, but it was something that I chose. I loved it. But to the rest of the world, I was naive of. So I didn't, never had really many friends. So when I had all these pain pills and people knew that I had these, and I never knew people used them to get high off of or nothing like right. that. One of them, they wanted to be my friends. What particular, what particular pain pills were you having at the time? Is it, I'd... um, Roxy's they're Oxycontin. Oxycontin. Uh, right. I could literally go to the doctors and I could say this month, I'd rather switch the oxys to morphine or Dilaudid. Okay. And they would give me that choice. Like that should not be something that they are allowed to do. Yeah. 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 You know, but the laws have changed, you know, through the years. I'm 31 now, you know, and uh, so with that, you know, it just led really honestly like a down, downhill spiral where I um, got locked up for selling drugs, getting caught with drugs. Um, that, that, must have been a, that, to, was, that must have been a really difficult time because you've come from a period of time where you've, you were only interested in sports. Um, your whole life revolved around sports. It was very positive. You were doing a lot of good stuff. You on in your mind, you were on track to be a pro, um, and you came from a good background. And then all of a sudden, you're landed in a situation where you can't do the thing you love, which that must have been devastating. Because I mean, I, I kind of know what that's like. Because I when I stopped when I injured I ruptured my hamstring in in 2005, and the doctor told me I could never compete again, and that was devastating. And I didn't I didn't. Uh, respond to that very well i was i was a dick to a lot of people you know so yeah. you must have been you put in that situation where you not only you've got that but you've also got the drugs which the doctors are giving you well i always tell people i try to explain them i guess imagine this one thing is all you know and you feel like yeah you know maybe whether i created this image or thought when i was young that i could have been a pro and you know and my family put the time and effort into me and so I, I thought that that was it. Like I didn't have yeah. to focus in school. I kind of skated by school. So I never put no effort into really learning. Yeah. So, you know, everything, every egg was in one basket. And when I lost that, I lost who I was and I had no idea how to build myself back up and the drugs just made it worse. And it was life or death because I was, you know, either going to kill myself or not, you know, at that point, cause that's how low I got. And I knew that, if I didn't get myself up that it was going to be over and that's when it's over, it's over. There's no other chance, you know, and I wasn't, I'm too afraid to never have another chance. So I took the only option I had and I started, you know, getting my mind right. First I had to fix this and then I started working out. And, I'm just, I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to pull you back a little bit. I'm just going to pull you back. Cause um, I just want to give the audience a full picture. So when, when you got arrested, what was what was going through? What was happening at that stage? What led up to that? You know, to be honest, that it there were so many arrests in a short period of time. Okay. So when I was 16 years old, that's when it originally all started from like one of the more serious accidents where I had a small prescription, and you know, I see myself wanting them, but didn't know what addiction was. You know, got over it. You know, back to racing and got hurt again, back on them again. And it was so frequent that I'm on and off of them yeah. that finally when the big accident happened, in between, I started getting in trouble 
and that's when it all really started. So I, you know, I got a charge here, got a charge there, in and out of jail, six months, couple months here, and I'm still trying in the meantime race and do all this stuff. Well, you know, it was just a up and down yeah. slope. What was what was jail like for a 16 year old or 17 year old? Um, you know, I always tell people this. I was like, you know, it's sad. Is I learned how to shave in prison, which is something- and I learned how to do them things that, that most people. Your, their father teaches them. I learned that from an officer. Yeah, which is something you know? your dad would have told and you. It, yeah. You know, and I was young, and I'm I'm not an ugly, dude. And that's not to sound arrogant or nothing like that. But going in there young, and you're not ugly, you're a pretty boy. You know, you have to watch. You know, even though that I felt that I could handle myself, you know, I went in there with this mindset that, you know, I'm not going to let no one rape me. I'm not going to let no one take from me because I know what that that's going to happen to me then. And I'm young, so I have to stand up to myself. And then you got people in the county jail trying to like talk you into, you know, like, oh, they're gonna do this to you and you know, scare you, whatever, even though that you shouldn't listen to that stuff. That's you're young, you know, and you're going to prison for the first time. Yeah. And, you know, because of my charges, I have drug sales and because I'm I lived in Florida at the time and I came up to Pennsylvania and got these charges that um so then, you know, I ended up pretty much, you know, going to prison, but they sent me to a maximum prison because I'm not from here because I didn't have a Pennsylvania license or nothing like that. So long story short, I went to not a minimum, not a, you know, I went to a maximum security prison because of my charges. That's a lot scarier than a minimum one. Yeah. So my first celly was a murderer. Yeah. And I, and I tell, and I tell people these little stories like um, he had killed his secretary, and this is just a short brief to get to the point, killed his secretary and uh, the guy was creepy, but he was nice. And because of the way he looked, people thought he was like um, like a, a weirdo, you know? So no one wanted to be in a cell. When you're doing life in there, they give you what it call a Z code. And when you get Z coded, that means you can have a single cell because you're doing life. But, but because prisons are so overcrowded, they're filling themselves up with these lifers that are not okay with this yeah. and they're doing life. So they don't care. They'll yeah. hurt you. You know right. what I mean? To get what, their what, way. Have to, what have they got to lose? So before I came in this cell as my first cell, the um, inmate before that was in his cell, he tried to kill. He threatened to kill him with a, a shank because he wanted a single cell. So he was pleading that he was crazy. So when you, when you finally got out of, of prison, like, did how did that leave you mentally like in terms of was it was it like uh, a, was it a positive thing like okay i'm out I'm, I'm great but or was it more of like did it take time to sort of get to terms with all the stuff you get through you know I, I did so much time in there that i got institutionalized because i was in there so young that i was actually scared to leave okay you know and that's it's hard to believe because people are like dude you should be so excited i was i was so happy and thrilled because i had you know, while I was in there, like I said, in the first few years, I had kind of like felt that I needed to prove myself. And then I realized, you know, as I went down the road and fought or whatever, that I didn't have to do that. You know, and I know that I wanted to go home. And I knew by doing what I was doing, I wasn't going to go home, right. you know, because yeah. I didn't change. Yeah. So I changed while I was in there. And I was, you know, blessed by God to, to be released on parole and given a second chance. And I knew that that was my only chance because if I didn't fix myself yeah. when I was in there, I was coming right back. And if I go back, it's the rest of my life. Yeah. And did, you know? uh, 
was it a case of did you did your relationship with God strengthen while you were in prison, or did you always have a good relationship with God? Well, I, I had a relationship with him before I went in when I was young because I had that built through my family. Yeah, yeah. So I knew I had the foundation of it, but I lost my way obviously because if he was still in my my life like that, I wouldn't have been doing the things that I was. But uh, because I knew him be- previously to that, I was able to find my way again because I knew the word, I knew what to turn to when I was struggling. I knew that, you know, in there, you can't just talk to your celly, you know, that's your, your bunkie or whatever you want to call him. You can't just cry to him. You got to be a man in there. There's, there's none of that, you know? So the transition from coming in there to society in there, you're told what to do every day, you know? And then you, you also can't show no emotion. So you have to learn that. And when you do that for so many years and then you come home, you don't know how to do them. The littlest things everyone in life takes for granted, you have to relearn. Mm. It's not the, the way of working. Working is easy. You know, um, living, living life is easy, but it's the simple things like learning how to pay bills and use credit cards and learning how to use apps and stuff like that. That's the things that, that was worrying me yeah. when I was going to... <laughs> Yeah, well, you, you got you got Zoom done pretty quickly, so oh, that's all good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess it's kind of like I lived in uh, South Korea for a while, and uh, I remember. I don't. I mean, this is going to be. This is bear with me on the analogy, but like, yeah. just, I, when I first got there, I couldn't speak the language very well. So going to yeah. even going to the shop, the supermarket, I was I couldn't communicate, and I remember I picked this. I remember this funny story. I picked this thing up, and it was some frozen meat, and I said to the guy, like, "What's this?" I just looked at him, went, and he just went. But like it's kind of like that. I just I just, I had to had to learn how to do things again. You know, it was yeah. Like, yeah. So how how long did you? Well, when did you get out? Where did you get out and fully got out? Where were you? Completely? So um, I've been out five years now, going on six years, um, and I never look back. I mean, it's been the best, man. I haven't been in no trouble. I mean, I just keep looking forward because I know in the end, this is my only option. One, you know. And I have so much drive to be someone in life. And when I was in there, I knew that. And that's why I didn't feel like I fit there. I didn't belong there. And I was so, you know, frustrated in myself because I knew that I was better than that. And I got that opportunity and I know that I, I don't have second and third chances and four chances like everyone else does, that I have to make this count. I'm 31, you know? And at that point, I don't, I'm not getting any younger especially in bodybuilding, I knew that when I got out, I worked out every day in there. So I was a big dude, you know, when I got out just from doing push-ups and pull-ups and body squats. Um, And then I just took it to the next level because someone told me when I was in there, I made a five-year plan on my last like six months. And I've checked almost every single thing off of there. And, you know, I'm just keep, I'm keep working towards them. And it's awesome to know that, that I reached almost every single one of the things that I set when I was in prison and I achieved it. And, you know, the, one of the most greatest things to me is to be able to use bodybuilding as a way to hold me accountable. Um, and, you know, cause every day, if you eat the wrong meal, you can see it in the mirror. Your coach is going to know that when you're on stage, it's going to show everything you did for all them months working towards that's going to show when it's all time. You know, and that's where the bodybuilding really played a role. Yeah, so I think I think if we just sort of summarize the the lowest points were more than likely just the realization that you can't keep doing this and 
you need to be you need to do something with your life um and that's kind of what spurred you on to change with your relationship with god kind of help that you know along the same mm-hmm. and putting together a plan which i think is a great idea i mean it's funny i used to be a school teacher actually a long long time ago and uh with the thing that i used to say to the really naughty kids was there's nothing that i can say there's no detention that i can put you in which is going to which is going to hit you harder than life hit you in the face you know when you grow up and you fuck up like if you fuck up in my classroom it's fine like whatever you get detention you know whatever just, i can't really do anything about it right but my my res- my response to to the students who always just kept repeating was dude when you grow up and when you're you're staring at the world saying give me opportunities and there's no opportunities that is way harder than anything i can i can do you know and like and i think you know what 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 do you what do you say about that i mean because i suppose well, I tell people, here's the thing someone's opinion that's all when someone says oh your record's gonna hold you back from getting jobs and you know i got tattoos all over my hands and on my neck and stuff like that and um some of them decisions were unwise of course they're they weren't um mistakes they were bad choices Hmm. you know there were i chose to do them it wasn't a mistake so i have to know i have to understand that the rest of my life they're going to follow me and that's the one thing that i preach to kids is yeah. Do you you don't understand until you're older how much they affect you. Totally, yeah, that's and, it. Yeah, but I can't do anything about that now. The only thing that I can do is show someone someone different. You know what I mean? So and when they meet me in person, they don't and, see and, that person ever. And you're an example of that. You're living it now because looking at your exactly. looking at your physique pictures, looking at the way you've turned around your life, that's fantastic. So if we if we look at the next question, when did this switch to having competitive aspirations? Because you've been competing in the NPC League. Great physique, by the way, competing classic. Um, when did you switch to actually wanting to compete and maybe get a pro card? When was when did that idea come into play? Well, my first show, so when I was in prison, I made that five-year plan. And one of the things yeah. was I was going to get out and do a bodybuilding show. Cool. Because yeah. I knew my dad had good genetics. And I always thought, hey, I'm a pretty decent-looking dude. And I got nice shape. I could do it. Yeah. It worked out for a long time, and I was one of the bigger dudes in prison. So I was like, hey, what do I got to lose? It's something to look forward to and keep me focused in the meantime so I, don't, I'm st- I stay busy, you know? And uh, so anyways, getting out, I, I entered a show. I did everything I said, and I entered a show. And I said to myself before all this that if I placed and got a trophy and I placed in the top five, yeah. that I would continue. If I didn't, then I knew that I didn't really have what it took, you know? And that's, that was fair for me, and I was going to move on, you know. And uh, I got fourth place my first show ever. Cool. And I got a trophy, and I cried. Yeah. Like, you have no idea. Because it makes you want to cry now thinking about it. <laughs> that's great. I love it. Just love that it. accomplishment, yeah. you know. That's brilliant. To know that I did something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, anyways, so then from that point on, I never looked back. And I said, and uh, I actually had people come up to me. I met my first coach. It was at the um, Mountaineer Classic mm-hmm. in West Virginia. And uh, my coach came up to me. Well, he was soon to be my coach. Uh, his name's Bill. He has a company called Choose Fitness. And he said, man, you look really good. How long have you been competing? And he thought I've been competing for years. And I said, man, I've been only training and with weights for not even a year. Yeah. You know, this is all push-ups and pull-ups. And I don't have no coach. I dieted all myself. Everything that I learned when I was in there, I ordered all kinds of bodybuilding books and learned everything myself. Yeah. Read them and read them and read them. That's all I did because I wanted to learn. And I, I achieved everything that I put my mind to. And it's the last thing was like, 
get your pro card. This is just going to be the topping so that I can use. And the really reason I want this pro card so bad is I want to use that as my credibility to be able to speak at these schools and show people how low I was at one point, no matter where you come from. You know, I've lived in a nice home and I've been homeless and I've been and you know, had everything a kid could ever want to sitting in prison, you know, scared for his life to now being the happiest person and knowing who they are and figuring out, you know, as it goes, you know, and with that strength, um, mentally, I was able to put it physically and to look like this, you know, and it just gives me that desire. Just from, just from my perspective, I'd say even without the pro card, you've got the qualifications to speak to people and and tell them how to change their life around. I think you've done a great job. Um, so yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So, Let's move on to let's move on to competition. Let's talk about competition. Now you've got a great physique for classic. Now I'll put your physique in the timestamp so people can see what you look like. Um, okay. I, I noticed that your midsection in particular is, is awesome. What Thank do you. you feel? What do you feel you need to do to take to get the pro card? Like what what do you feel you need to work on to get the pro card? What areas? Well, from the from the last show, honestly, I feel that uh, my back has always been a point where it's not that it's not strong. It's that mind to body connection that you need my arms overpower so from the last national show to now my biggest focus is bringing up my legs and my back it's just overall size really because i'm proportionate but i just need to be bigger the top of my weight class is 198 pounds and i was 190 on stage at uh the north american holy shit you're only 190 man you look big How how tall are you Five nine and a half. Holy shit, dude! You look big. What? Damn. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, this old side is real nice. I think uh, I don't know if you'd agree with me. Like I've always noticed that people tend to either have like big arms or big torso. Like it's a very rare person that has both. Do you see what uh, I mean? Which makes yeah, kind sure. of yeah. That's what I learned from my father. You know, he always said that you never want to have chicken legs. Never have chicken legs, you know, and he always made fun of people that chicken legs, not to the face range, to me, you don't want to look like that, you know, so that was one thing that I always made sure that my legs were never little. Yeah, Yeah. you got, you can't skip leg day. Nope. (laughs) Not at all. Actually, you you literally train it so much that you actually end up enjoying it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I know the feeling. Uh, I was, I was a powerlifter, like, like, well, like your mum, for about 15 years and definitely squats are a big part of it. Um, Yeah, awesome. So when's your next competition? Um, And I'll throw you in one bonus question as well. Well, Who is your current coach? And uh, who, do you you currently have a coach? Yes, I do. Who's that? Um, Dang, I forget how you say his his name is Matt. Um, I forget how you say his last name. I always mispronounce it. Um, Does he have a company? uh, Yeah, it's called Alpha Nutrition. Alpha Nutrition, Um, um, I can send you the link so yeah, that you yeah. can maybe post it yeah, on Yeah, we'll there. post it up. Yeah, we'll post all your Yeah, yeah. Um, That sounds good. And how long have you been with him? Uh, going on three years now. Cool. Nice. Honestly, he's been – he's – I met him uh, through my father. And, uh, you know, ever since then, like, he's just a massive dude. He's 300 pounds. Right. I mean, 22 and a half, maybe 23-inch arms. Like, he's just a monster, for real. Yeah, And cool. he doesn't compete anymore. Um, he owns, uh, like I said, a supplement company. Yeah. It's a great company. So definitely, guys out there, if you're listening, alphanutrition.com, get it. I promise you it's the top quality supplements. Cool. Um, awesome. But yeah, for sure. Great coach. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll put his, uh, put his links up as well. So yeah, I was going to ask, uh, when's your next competition? What's the plan? 
the, the plan is right now with everything going on with the quarantine and, uh, you know, everything being shut down, planning on North American, as long as everything goes as planned, I'm going to do that in September. I think it's September. September. It is. Okay. Unless they postpone it again. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they postpone it. Um, but I have a few shows. It's, I mean, because of the way that the qualifi- qualifications are working now with all this stuff going on, I'm just going straight to a national show. Okay. Um, because I think you have to be top five to go back straight to a national show in a national show, I think. Okay. But I got ninth, so I technically have to requalify. But because the quarantines are all shut down, I qualify, so I don't have to do a local show again. Okay, yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah, so I'm just going straight to a national show. So hopefully that, because right now uh, I'm up 26 pounds from there. I'm 216 is what I weighed in this morning. Look at lean. And I still have abs. I'm not yeah. holding much fat. I mean, um, I'm probably at 10%. So my goal is to be exactly 198 when I step on stage and have a good, you know, good, good solid 10 pounds eight on pounds. me. Yeah, good solid 10 pounds on you. That yeah, eight pounds. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, because once I, think- I carb up, I'll probably put on four more pounds. So yeah. three, four more pounds. So I'll be like, 202 by the time i step on stage 203 i think i think with your conditioning that i saw in your last show i don't think you need to get any more shredded for your show i think you you got your conditioning on point um yeah you know uh that's always been an easy thing for me like (laughs) dieting is not hard at all that's my hardest thing (laughs) i get i get um very grumpy that's one thing for sure and I want to sleep a lot. I get hangry for I sure. Agree. I agree. Yeah. But but besides that part, yeah. I mean, it don't mentally affect me at all. Okay. I've been through so much tougher things. I think with the things I've been in through my life, that it made the struggle. I I fight for that. I like that. But I suppose to, that's, to that's, feel that again, it makes me feel something. I suppose that's something to to pick up on, isn't it? I mean, you you learned a lot of discipline when you were in when you were going through the things that you went through in terms of yeah like you like you were saying talking about keeping the things inside and being able to or being able to internalize things and deal with them without necessarily having to to show how you so that must help with hunger a little bit i guess Maybe. yeah yeah kind of um yeah i guess i mean it's more like when i know everyone else is struggling and, and they're they're complaining and i see all that stuff and people were cheating and stuff like that i know that you know, when I, I just think of my past and that fuels me all the negative things that people say or do, or it just fuels me. I, I learned how to use that in a good way. Yeah. You know, if you think positive, positive things happen. If you think negative, negative things happen. So I'm not going to use my negatives to make it more negative for me. I just use that as a fuel to say, you know what? I ain't got no other option. This is my option and I'm taking it. Yeah. You, you know, kind of just shut it out and just go. Yep. Cause it's, it's like that- a horse with blinders. Yeah, 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 and you got your five-year plan. You just kind of go with it. Fantastic. Um, yep. So let, let's talk. Let's talk some X's and O's. Let's talk some specifics about bodybuilding because I want. I want to know. I'm interested. Um, yeah. What are sort of? Are you? Are you a macro guy? Or are you a meal plan guy? How do you? How do you do things? Honestly, uh, not macros at all. I don't go. I honestly go by grams. I do everything by grams. Okay, really. cool. That's cool. Yeah. So if you give us so an idea, like, of, give us an idea of like um, macros, say that you're on now, and then maybe macros for prep. What, what are the differences? So, so we know. right now, right now things have been up in the air with the way things are going. So we've just been playing around learning because my body's growing and it's always changing. So I'm always constantly having to do different things. You know, one thing that I truly believe in is if a coach ever says, oh, we're going to stick to this and this is it. 
that's not the coach because the coach should never say that. It's I think it, everybody's different and your body's constantly changing with what you add in it and the new things you're trying. Your body's gonna react different ways, so you gotta react different ways. You can't expect to do the same things over and over and get different results. So, but um, yeah, I think that uh, for me, like for grams, I would do uh, my body weight right now would be currently, I'll do 220 grams of protein a day. I'll do 400 grams of carbs a day. I'll keep my fats between like 70 to 80. Um, And that's really I focus on. And I make sure that mainly when I'm eating my carbs is first thing in the morning when I wake up, um, before I work out, and after I work out. That's the only times I really try to eat my carbs. Perfect. And for me, I'm a meat eater. I really like red meat. People say don't eat it, but my body reacts well to it and it's used to it. I'm going to keep doing what's working for me. And uh, so I eat a lot of ground meat, but it's lean, like the 96% lean. I'm the same. Yeah. I'm the same way. So I'll eat a lot of lean hamburger meat, eggs. I love eggs. I mean, I'll drink egg whites all day long um, and eat eggs. I probably eat in a day close to 20 eggs a day. Um, and then uh, my vegetables, I eat a lot of broccoli, cauliflower. Um, and then right now is another source, like before and after with my shake. The one important thing that I always do to tell people, um, before my workout, my carbohydrates will be fruits. It's an instant release of the sugars that will flood my system real quick to give me that boost. And then same thing with after. I'll do like an apple and an orange or something like that. And get them instant and then i'll have my meal also with the carbs but you know i'll choose which carbohydrates so if we go into sort of like a more in-season let's pre-contest uh, what are your grams and macros looking like as you go down like let's say um, you know three four weeks out so so three four weeks out i i try to keep my protein around whatever my body weight is so currently we say what well, we're at 200 pounds uh, i'm gonna have my protein at 200 grams um, and then my carbohydrates at that time, last prep, we did keto the last two weeks, um, just to really pull tight. That was for when I did junior nationals, but when we did the North American, we kept carbs in and tried something different. So really this year, we're going to keep the carbs in too. Yeah. But, I, don't, uh, I, keto, I don't know how you looked in ahead. juniors. I don't know how you looked in juniors, but you looked great in your last competition. So uh, I was leaving leaner. I was oh, really? too okay. lean. I was at the right. point where I felt that I sacrificed too much muscle. Um, I was only a pound lighter, but you could see my cheeks were really sunk in, and I felt I could feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I think that was the the worst experience as far as the day of the show. I really felt like crap. You know, where that where they say that I always heard the saying when I first started bodybuilding was. If you don't feel like you need to be put in the hospital the day of the show, then you're not lean enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it reminds me of about three weeks prior to my competition a couple of years ago. I went to the gym and I was like, dude, I feel like, shh, I feel fucking terrible. And yeah. I was, my face was just dragged. I was like, and he says, that's normal. If you didn't feel like this, you wouldn't be ready. I was like, okay, exactly. fine, fine, okay. <laughs> and when I experienced that, I knew, I knew yeah, I was yeah. ready. Yeah. You know, and that's when I got ninth place and I did really well. And I had a lot of people afterwards talking to me and stuff like that, which really made me feel good, you know, but you know, that's the goal. Um, but I like when I did, that was when I did keto though. And I kept the carbs at uh, under 20 grams is what I kept it at. And, um, I ate nothing but 
the last week was nothing but tunas and eggs and vegetables, you know? Yeah. And like a lot of broccoli, a lot of eggs and a lot of tuna is mainly what I stayed with. But the weeks prior to that, leading up to that, I ate a lot of ground meat, which was lean ground meat and a lot, a lot of turkey meat. And then I used like my condiments was like sugar-free ketchup. You know, I kept it strict. Did you uh, and, did you uh, carb up at the end, or did you? Just yeah, go- we carved up. Carb yeah, up. my coach has a he has a different technique than most people. Um, the way we do it, we don't usually like the day before the show. We'll start our carb up. I don't want to tell everything how we do things, yeah, but um, primary thing the day before we'll start our carb up. Say the shows the next morning for prejudging. The day before at six o'clock, you usually go into weigh-ins or check-ins that day so after check-ins at 6 p.m we'll have a steak and a potato and that'll be my first carb right and then at 12 o'clock at night we start so that's really when it really starts and it's every hour until the show yeah i had i had a i had a that i had a i had a slightly different approach so that my show was on a saturday and um we we carb loaded the wednesday and the, the tuesday and the wednesday actually and then the thursday and the friday we drive back out again uh, which is quite kind of interesting. It was, it was it was pretty fun. That was kind of cool. Um, it worked yeah. quite well because I, I got full, but then I kind of pulled pulled a bit of water off as well, which was kind of cool. But it's interesting doing yeah. people do it. Um, so yeah, it's really cool over the years. Yeah. I was saying it's really cool over the years to to learn your body and how it works. And every show, your body reacts different, like because it's it's learning. It's neat. I think it's it's cool that you're staying with the same coach as well because a lot of people just move from coach to coach, but. If you've been with him for three years, he's going to know more about you. Well, I believe in that. It takes time. I didn't change overnight. I didn't fix my life overnight, you know, and he's not going to figure it out in one show. And that's what these guys jump from one coach to another coach every one or two shows. And it's like, dude, you're wasting your money. You know, give it time. You're in, And that's what the world's coming to is no one's patient. And I'm, I still fail at them things. I'm still, you know, I still am impatient with certain things. And I got to pull myself back and – and catch catch a grip you know and understand that things take time and you know he's been loyal to me and uh you know he wants the best for me and he's worried about my health and all them things and that's key you know a lot of these coaches don't care about things like that and that's my main priority is who he is as a person is going to also reflect on me so i want like you know if he carries himself well and he treats you know others with respect i know he's going to treat me with respect and keep it real with me and not just try to get money. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, definitely. Let's let's talk about training then. Talk about training style. Um, so I always give the example of like um, a Dorian Yates versus a Jay Cutler. They have got very different training styles. Cutler's kind of like high volume, not trained to failure. Yates like low volume, trained to failure. Whereabouts are you in that sort of? Where do you fall in that training style? Um, well, through trial and error. I mean, I originally started out. I thought lifting heavy. And just try to get the best form was the way to really grow. And I started out powerlifting. That was my first before I got to be a, became a bodybuilder. I, when I was young, when I was wrestling at that time, I became a powerlifter first. And I competed with an organization called APF. So I originally had the powerlifting background. I won my first trophy first place for my class. I think I was 16 years old and I benched uh, 285, I think it was. Nice. Yeah. And uh, – So anyways, but to cut it short, you know, I started out lifting heavy and then my joints started hurting and I I realized that 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 wasn't going to work for me. And it really wasn't doing much for me. I didn't look like I should have, you know, the tight round muscles. So I started, you know, experimenting and it takes years to finally where I'm at now is I believe that um, I superset 
So the way I train is like, say I'm doing, I usually like to do one body part a day because I like to train almost every day because this is something I love to do. You know, this isn't for, you know, money or anything like that. It's something I just love to do. It's something to save my life, you know? So um, I try to do one body part, but if it's a small body part, then I'll throw in something like if I'm doing shoulders, I'll probably throw like shoulders and tries or shoulders and buys or something like that. So we'll say we're doing um, chest and tries. So I did on my primary exercise would be flat bench and I'll do my four sets of flat bench, no superset at all. And then I'll go over to my triceps and I'll do, we'll just say skull crushers and we'll do four sets of them. That's my power exercise, heavy set. And then after that, every other exercise will be supersetted. So I always do one primary exercise for each body part alone to get that blood in there to really focus on it. And then I start supersetting and really hitting the white and red muscle fibers and really shocking the body, you know, because I always say that, you know, if you're big for nothing, it's stupid. Like you got to be able to move. I got, I can run. I want to be able to do everything. So I try to incorporate everything. You know, I do a lot of like um, burpees and stuff to finish off exercises at the end to burn out just to, you know, like I said, stay mobile, stay fit, stay, you know, have a good heart. Because if you don't have a good heart health, then there's no point of doing this. I think, I think a lot of bodybuilders would, uh, would look the other way if you started asking to do burpees. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> not, not popular in our yeah. circles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that, all that Ninja Warrior stuff. I go out of the park and do all them pull-ups and 360s on them and flip on the bars. I like all that stuff. That's cool. I'm That's getting cool. older, though, so it's getting harder, but, you know, yeah. but it's fine. You got to be able to do that stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. So what would a typical training week look like? So you want to train every day, uh, like maybe chest Monday or, you know, what, how, how do you structure your week? So another thing is a lot of people have, like, formatted plans where Monday I do this, Tuesday I do this. I don't do that. I let my body tell me what to do. Okay. I listen to my body because when I didn't listen to it, I got hurt, you know, and I felt like I overtrained. It didn't grow. So, you know, I have a, a maybe a plan laid out, yeah. but I'm going to still let my body tell me what's going to happen. So let's say Monday I do legs, you know, and Tuesday I'll try to do something smaller because such, since I did a, such a large body part the day before, I'll try to do something smaller. So I'll do shoulders on a Tuesday with maybe biceps, the shoulders and biceps. And then the following day I'll do chest and then I'll jump over and do back, you know, the following one or whatever. And then it might rotate depending on how I feel. But right now, because my back's a weaker point, I got to do that twice a week. So wherever I can, I try to throw that extra body part in to get it in there to have that back twice a week. Cause like I said, if you're not proportionate in bodybuilding then you're screwed proportions everything and that's one thing that i really truly believe that i have key over a lot of people is i'm very proportionate i just gotta you know i just need more experience and that's what i'm gaining over these years i'm learning not just the the bodybone side but the politics side everything there's a, there's a lot that goes into it absolutely uh, yeah. right so one of the things that i've i've noticed i've had quite a few bodybuilders on the podcast recently one of the things i've noticed is is a lot of guys who are at the high level like nate uh, like michael um, who really do things instinctively. And what you just said about your training split being instinctive, that's really, it's interesting for me to hear because I come from a much more rigid periodized background, like Paddy Powerless in 15 years. But I mean, I'm still technically kind of learning bodybuilding as it is, you know, certain aspects. Yeah. So I love hearing about this kind of stuff. So talk me through your power exercise. Let's talk about that a little. How would you approach leading up to that? 
and how what do those four top sets look like and how do you kind of get there and that's a really on basic the, question on the power sets yeah so that's a really basic question but i'm just curious to how you build up and where you go well usually what i do is i give myself a like I'll stretch first a little bit, not much to where I'm overstretching the muscle because they actually say, I don't know how true it is, but I, I kind of believe it that if you overstretch before working out, you lose some of your strength. Yeah. So um, what I try to do is like jumping jacks before to get my muscles, like the blood flowing and moving. And I'll just do like a light set of bench, like one, 135, so I'll put 45s on it, bang it out for like 20, 25 reps. You know, I'll do half of them nice and slow just to get that nice movement. And then I'll go a little quicker. I'll just mix it up, throw the bar on. And then my working sets of four sets would be, um, I'll start off with 225. And then I'll go 275. And then I'll go up to 315. So that'll be my third set. And I'll usually do 315 for like five or six reps, you know, nice and slow. I always try to do concentrated reps. Um, usually I'll do like two sets, nice and slow sets. And then I'll do two sets first. So like one, two, three burst, just to shock it, just different things over time. I'll stick with one thing for so many weeks and then switch it up. And usually how I switch it up is not by um, changing the exercise itself. It's changing the rotation of when I start, what I start with and what I finish with. Because that's all your body sometimes needs is just that little bit of difference of instead of starting with your flat bench and making that your power exercise, make it something else obviously it wouldn't be flies or something like that it would be more something like incline. um yeah incline or flat or even like you could even use like the the smith machine style you know straight uh press or whatever it is something like that would be different because that's still slightly a different angle than it would be laying on a flat bench so i believe that that is just enough um, of an angle difference to really still bring that growth to your muscle. You know what I mean? People will take these dramatic steps and I think that that's just sometimes too much. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Slowly progress instead of just trying to make huge leaps. Yeah. You're going to fail so hard when you make them. And you've got like 52 sessions in a year. So you've got plenty of room to move around if you need to. So mm -hmm. uh, how many, roughly how many exercises are you doing in a chest session? Uh, how many chest exercises? Um, I try to keep between like a total of 18 sets, 18 to 20 sets of total. Um, and that's not counting my warm ups or like um, my burnouts at the end with like burpees or push ups or whatever it may be. Yeah. But I don't try to do excessive amounts. I just try to do nice concentrated reps, slow, controlled, because again, I don't want to get hurt. I want to be able to do this for years to come. Yeah. I want to, if I have kids, play with my kids when they're young, you know? Um, but yeah, I just think that taking your time and controlling the weights, but also a lot of people take too many breaks. I think for me, I like to superset everything, yeah. not in a way where I'm rushing stuff, but I don't need to spend two and a half hours in the gym. I think that's ridiculous. Do you find when you're supersetting, say chest and triceps, your, your chest work suffers or not so much? Well, that's, see, that's why like, I, I just use that as an example, but, uh, a lot of times that's why I don't do two body parts that would because you know if your your triceps are going to get wore out if you're doing both or vice versa so you're never going to be at a really truly exhausted to what they could so that's why i always tried to do one body part a day and like i said i'll throw in like my my biceps grow really easily okay. so i don't have to train them 
frank, frequently, you know, like some people would. So I could get away with doing them once every other week. As long as I train them once really hard, they're still going to grow and keep proportionate with my body. So that's usually what I'll do. I'll just throw a couple sets of biceps in so I can still get my chest workout and really still focus on that. But usually, like, I would never really mix chest and tries together because they work together. So instead of wearing them out like that, I would do something like biceps and chest. So they're yeah, complete makes, opposite. I was going to say that that seems to be more common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your chest. That makes perfect sense. So yeah, yeah, that's that sounds great. And would you just say it's your chest day and you're doing biceps? Would you do about twenty sets for that? You probably wouldn't. You do maybe like five or ten. Is that right? For each one? Just for the just for biceps. If it's a oh, chest. Oh, just for biceps. Honestly, I'd day, probably. Yeah. I would probably do six sets. I would do three sets of two different exercises and I'd probably do um, preacher curls and I would probably do uh, dumbbell curls. And I would just, every set I always truly, and it is one thing for me and it's the way my dad always taught me is you should be at your strongest at the end of your workout, not your weakest. So I actually get stronger through each set. So the end of my workout, I'm actually at my strongest. Which is just something the way I've always trained because I always go up and wait every set. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and by the end of my workout, I always feel like I'm at the strongest point. Like I always lift but you the heaviest lot, weight at the end. You do a lot of volume, though. You do a hell of a lot of volume. Yeah, yeah. I like to do a lot of volume. I mean, like I said, I love to train, but yeah. you can't do that if you're not going to eat right. You know, you got to have the food to support that fuel, you know? So typically, I'm eating 4,500 calories a day. 5,000 calories a day just to fuel that. And then if, with my job or whatever, you know, and I like, I'm active. I like to go outside and walk or ride bikes or do things like that. Cause you know, I like, I'm free. Yeah. That, that seems to be a common prescription as well with a lot of guys that I talk to got the really big guys is they seem to be very active. And it's something I've seen in my coaching as well is like the, the biggest guys tend to be actually quite active and it's unusual. You wouldn't think that. You'd think like a big guy, like you know, two twenty, two fifty, two sixty, two seventy, would be sitting around all day. But it's not true. I've the biggest guys that I've seen. They've always been the most active guys. They just eat more. They just out eat their activity, and they seem to grow better that way. I don't know if that's down to insulin sensitivity or staying lean, but it's just what I've experienced. Yeah. I just think it's the, the oxygen that's that's being able to be pumped through the blood from you being able to move it all the time is really helpful to your muscles because if you're just sitting there that oxygen, that, that blood flow is not really circulating too well, especially with guys that are that big, your body has a lot harder time to pump that blood through yeah. your heart, you know? Definitely. Definitely. Sustain that type of weight. Yeah. I mean, it's just a case of keeping them healthy, you know, just taking yeah. them around so much. All right. So let's, let's go over to another question. And here's something which is outside of your own training. Where do people, where do you see people typically go wrong in bodybuilding? You know, they're trying to grow, they're trying to get big, they're trying to get shredded. Where are people going wrong in your eyes? Uh, expectations. I think that a lot of times they set their expectations too high. Okay. And the first thing that I always get to tell people is your body's like that saying, it's, Rome wasn't built in the day. You know, um, it takes time. And, and here's what a lot of people do is they see these bodybuilders and they think that it's just these guys tell their story where it's four years and now they're Mr. Olympia. You know, Ray Edmonds is a great dude, but he did it in like five years and he's Mr. Olympia, the winner, you know, and that's unheard of. That's why he's Mr. Olympia. Yeah, he's got yeah. genetics like this. And yeah, these yeah. kids just think that they can do that. And that's where they go wrong and they start, then they say they're like, oh, well, this dude's doing this or this dude's doing that. And I can look like that because these guys promote that. And that's not the truth. 
you know, and it's, I get it. They got to pay their bills. They got to do all that. But for me, I want to stand behind something that I'm truly believing. Um, you know, I got a point to prove. I got something to really prove to myself and I want to help people, you know, because uh, what I experienced, no one should ever have to go through in life, you know? And I was fortunate enough to have like a second chance. So I just, that's my thing is these kids are just naive and they just don't know any better because the internet gives you a platform to put whatever you want out that half of it's not true. It's all for money. It's all for a scam. And I think, I think that's evident by your five-year plan. I mean, that was a, that's a long plan. That's a long-term thinking, you know, which is evident right from, from back when you were younger. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, so we've said like probably lack of patience is probably the, one of the biggest areas in bodybuilding. I also just want to highlight again, I know I said it before, but just you're, you're talking about honing in on your muscles and you're talking about doing things intuitively. I find that fascinating personally. I'm, I'm still trying to do it better myself. I am. I find it, I think that's a really good point. I think just when you're training, really try and feel the muscle, really try and make sure you're working the muscle. I think that's as every single bodybuilder I've had on in the past few weeks, they've all said the same thing. Sorry, you say? I always tell people, more important things someone says oh how do i lose weight i say to them i say well first you got to start with this are you stressed out and almost all the people who are overweight tell me they're stressed out and i say well one that raises your cortisol levels now your cortisol levels are up to retaining fat water all these things are going on with your body you're probably overeating or if you're under eating now your body's trying to hold on to everything that is that you know you're trying to get rid of so it's like working against you and i'm saying i always tell my clients or whoever I'm working with that first you need to work on that mental state. Let's first clear that up and then we'll get you physically fit because that'll come like nothing. You'll lose it naturally, you know, and, and it's so easy. So that's something that I, I try to tell people is before you try to just jump into working out, you got to learn who you are and your body. So you can use this to work with this and you can feel the muscles working with your brain. When I'm in the gym, I can put my mind to that muscle and take every other muscle out of the equation, you know, to the best of my ability. Some sets, you know, I'm going a little heavy, so I got to arch or whatever it may be to get it through it. But that's okay as long as my primary sets are solid, you know. You want to focus on contracting and, and really becoming in tune with your body. That's the most important thing, I think, in bodybuilding is learning your body, coming in tune with it, becoming one. That's why these guys are massive with the genetics that they have. They're able just to grow. Because they listen, they listen to themselves. You got to listen. Yeah, love you know, it. Your body's going to tell you what it needs and what it doesn't need. You know, water weight isn't a good thing. Water weight's a bad thing. People think that gaining all this water weight is like, oh, I gained all this weight. Yeah, half of this water weight. That's not good. That's your body. It's a side effect. That's something that you need to, you know. So I just tell people that if you're listening to your body and you're doing it the right way, you know, the weight will come naturally. It's like, you're saying, it's like you're saying, you're, you're looking at putting on eight pounds from, show to, from last year to this year. And I think that's a very sensible goal. You're not looking at 20, 30 pounds. So it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's cover one. You mentioned your girlfriends over there. Let's look at the importance of family and support network to your bodybuilding success. Like how, how does your family and your support network play into your success? Um, well, you know, uh, I would say that it's a pretty big role. I mean, it's, it's hard on people that are supporting your friends, family, because, you know, that sport is all about you. So it's a very selfish sport. And you don't tend to be selfish, but so much goes into it that it's not like a job where it's a nine to five. It's 24-7. Everything you do matters. And 
you know, like I said, that's why bodybuilding was a, a huge benefit in my life because 24 seven of my life, I had to focus on it to kept me on the right track. And so, yeah, I think it's, you know, family is an important thing because they can support you through the ups and downs. Some people can't deal with prep. Some people get really depressed, you know, coming after a show and you're depleted and then you put all those foods back in you, you, you get depressed. There's things that you gotta, to learn how to cope with and that's where family can come in to support you or cooking all them meals gets hard just for one person to do, having someone to help cook your meals or, you know, financially that's expensive sport, you know. I don't know why I always choose the expensive sports, but hey, it is. It's it's a fun sport, but it's it's a it's a pocket. It takes all your money out your pocket for sure, and it's not an easy road. Bodybuilding. That's why I tell people like you're not gonna get a pro card in one year. You're not gonna make money at it, even if you turn pro. Maybe, you know, this is a sport where you have to love it. So I think that the people who are around you know that that's a sport you kind of have to love. And they know, for me at least, how much it's changed my life and helped keep me away from drugs, keep me away from crimes, keep me away from all that stuff, you know, ultimately. So they support me. And uh, so it's a little easier, I think, for them knowing that it's done this much of a dramatic change in my life. But I'm sure at times it gets very stressful and hard because my life revolves around that. And sometimes they're not, they're not first in my life, you know. Yeah. So. I, I, think, I think every bodybuilder can sympathize with that. Definitely. Any, any bodybuilder who's prepped can sympathize with that. I think it does get very it's stressful. But I think as long as you can recognize that and during the off-season have a bit more you know, of, a, of a focus on them, it's good. Uh, what about your favorite people in bodybuilding? Oh, uh, Cedric McMillan's probably one of my favorite. Okay. I just like his demeanor. He's a quiet person, but he's also funny. Yeah. You know, he likes to entertain people. I feel like that's me. I feel like you know, I have a lot of similarities in him, the way he carries himself, uh, his discipline. He was in the military, you know, that structure. I like that about him because, you know, where I come from, even though it's the opposite, there's a lot of structure in there, you know. So I had to, you know, I learned off that. And I just, you know, I'm sure he uses a lot of his struggles with being in the military and whatever. So I like him. Uh, I just think that he's, you know, different, clever, and unique. Um, Jay Cutler was someone I always looked up to as a kid. Um, I just thought he was just a beast, you know, his look, his spiky hair, how he would throw his tongue out. And, yeah, yeah. you know, he was that, that, uh, pretty boy, you know, that just came out of nowhere and just started rival that rival battle with Ronnie. Um, I mean, I always liked Arnold too. There was a bunch of bodybuilders, but truthfully, I mean, the most person that really motivated me when I was young was my dad that really gave me that desire to, that I thought that's what men were supposed to look like, you know? Yeah, yeah. So being big is just normal to me. Yep. And then them guys seeing their dedication and hard work that they're putting into persistency and stuff like that to their bodybuilding careers is what motivated me. You know, Branch Warren was another one, you know, his yeah. religion, he's, he's a Christian and yeah, you know, yeah. he's, he's tough in the gym. You don't know that he's a Christian because he's, he seems like a mean guy, you know, the way he looks at him and carries yeah. himself. Yeah. But in reality, that's just his drive and his, his determination towards bodybuilding and just anything that he puts his mind to. So I like that. So 2009 Branch versus 2009 Cutler, who, would have, who should have won that? Do you, do you agree with uh, Cutler or Branch? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'll say this about Branch. I think Branch has – he is a, a great frame, yeah. but he didn't have good shape. Yeah. You know what I mean? If he had the shape that some of these guys had, he would have been unstoppable. 
Yeah, you and, know? yeah, and he was going up against arguably, probably, arguably one of the best showings of any bodybuilder of all time, 2009 Jay. Who's going to beat that? Who, yeah. You know, who's going to beat that? So I know, and, and that's the only thing I, I think that his, his, his uh, physique isn't pleasing. You know, Jay's physique is really pleasing. He's got you know, he is that overall package. And that's what class, classic physique's about. It's that overall package. It's like, you know, and I kind of bring that, you know, good boy, bad boy look that kind of like, you know, I got the nice hair and, you know, so that's kind of what, you know, and that, that X frame with the tiny waist, my waist is 30 inches. I think it was almost, it was 29 and three fourths when I stepped on stage, you know? So as long as I bring up certain areas, I think that that's why I like classic physique. It's not about being huge because I don't want to be 250, 60 pounds, you know? That's just hard on your body. And people don't know when you get that big, a lot of these guys have sleep apnea. They have to have sleeping machines, yeah, you know? Machines, yeah. And I, yeah. And so I just know that that's things like 220, you know, as big as I want to get, you know, nice and lean. But plastic physique, the pros are 207 pounds. And you see them guys yeah. on stage, they're massive. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, uh, what's that? Keon? Is it Keon? Uh, yeah. The, the, the young Keon. guy. Yeah, yep. didn't he win the Olympia at like 176 or something like that? And he's uh, well, natural, he was 176, I think, and then he won crazy, he was on nice. the supplements or whatever he got. He was on the supplements at 189 pounds, yeah, yeah, yeah. And his recent pictures, I don't know if you saw his recent one on Instagram, it was 212. He was one yeah. of the in the kitchen. God yeah. damn, he looks big, yeah, round, real round. Did you see him on um, on uh, uh, Fuad Abiyad's podcast recently? Uh-uh. It's, it's just out. It's just out like last week or whatever, or this week. I'll have to look at it. It's a good chat with him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, amazing. Like amazing bodybuilder. Um, I was going to, I was going to move on to the, to the next question, but I want to ask you about your TikTok. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't use TikTok. Like it's new and scary. Oh, yeah. it's, it's new and scary for me, but talk to you about that. You've got a huge following there. How many people follow you there? Uh, I think it's like 130 something thousand, almost 140,000. <laughs> Holy shit. Really? Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah um well you know if you do TikTok basically, go ahead oh, go ahead, sorry uh tiktok's basically you know it's just this where you can just have fun it's not about like where instagram's mainly where people are trying to just promote themselves that's all it is it's like a promotional like look at me type thing and a tiktok it's a little bit of that but it's more about it's more about uh, just having fun. You know, you can do dances. You can be creative and funny. You can be um, serious. You can be everything on there. And they're only 60-second or 15-second clips, so it can't be over 60 seconds. And, uh, yeah, for me, it's just uh, I spread the fitness motivation on there. It's all positivity. I don't do negative stuff because, um, you know, this is on the Internet, you know, and I truly, truly believe you got to watch what you post. Yeah, I'll have fun. I'll do some dancing. Yeah. Not the best dancer, but I'll have fun. That's what it's about. And, uh, and then I also do a lot of my stories of sharing my um, videos on like my recovery and how I changed my life. And one of the videos I have has almost 4 million views. You know, just one video. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I have a bunch of videos that are, you know, close to a million views and stuff like that. But it's just a really good place to, uh, you know, to network. It's the newest thing out. So everyone's on it. Yeah. So it's like, I got in it at the right time and I came up with this plan. I've been doing, you know, I, got, I bought the right video equipment. And like I said, I set a five-year-old, uh, five-year plan and it worked. Here I am setting other plans and they work. 
It's about setting plans, speaking them into existence. If you just think of these things and you don't actually speak them into existence, they won't come true. You've got to write things down. You've got to put pictures on the wall. That's what helped me. I put pictures of bodybuilders in my cell every day or things of, that I wanted to achieve so that every morning when I woke up, I seen these things and I kept my vision clear and focused on what my goal was. And my goal was to go home and do these things and change my life. So that's why I'm here, you know, and I'm just trying to, that's what I'm trying to spread on there is I'm trying to spread that, you know, with a little hard work and a little bit of dedication, no matter where you come from, no matter what happened in your life, you can overcome it. Anything is possible if you believe. My saying is this, fail early, fail often, fail forward. It's okay to fail. Because let me ask you this, if you had, um, if you had went, if you knew one, you had 10 no's and on the 11th one, you were gonna get that yes. You'd be out there running right now to all of them places to get them 10 no's because you know on the 11th one, that person's gonna say yes to you, whatever it's gonna be, whatever your dream is. All these people, they go out there and they, they fail one or two times and they give up and they don't realize that maybe on that fourth one, they would have got that yes. So now they went through their whole life knowing and they, could, they didn't know that on the next one they were going to get that yes, they gave up. I can't live through life with that. And, I, and that's what I try to spread on here. I just try to make people aware and let them know that, you know, you don't have to be ashamed of the things you've done, that every single person in this world makes mistakes. Yep. And mistakes, you know, and I always tell well, how do you, you know, people, and I look at people and, you know, I let people see every side of me, the good side, you know, the bad side. And I always say that men are not judged when things are going good in his life, but when things are going bad. So when things are starting to go bad in my life, I try to think back to that and say to myself, well, how am I going to act? Sometimes I don't always act the best, but I try to catch myself in that way. So, yeah, my TikTok's based off of, you know, using my fitness as a way to reach people and show people because I don't look like the average guy. So people want to watch my videos and see what I have to say. And that's where I can touch them. I can reach them. That's my avenue to get in there and, and find out what's going on with them. And I get thousands of messages. I couldn't even tell you how much people message me and tell me that I've saved their life or they watch my videos and they inspire to get off of drugs and how many people say they've gotten off of drugs, you know, and, that inspired me to go speak at schools now. TikTok is not, you know, it can overwhelm you and it can take control of your life in a negative way for these kids because they're doing bad things on there, but it can also be used to do positive things if that's what you choose to use it for. Anything can be used negative or good. And I think with, with your, the way you come across as well, you've got a very animated um, physique and you, come, you actually put up a lot of funny stuff as well. Like it's purposely meant to be funny. Like you put up a lot of yeah. comedy sketches I've seen. That's great. Yeah. I love it. I saw one where it was, you were in quarantine and you, you kind of, you changed your clothes quickly and you kind of fell back on your bed. That one, that, yeah. was, that was brilliant. That was great. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. It's it so great. Where do you think of these things? Uh, you know, I mean, I look through other videos or I just come up with ideas of things, you know, like I said, I'm really well-rounded. So growing up, you know, I was able to do almost anything, you know, gymnastics, any type of sport. So I was able to, to take that with being funny, you know, cause I, I was so angry for so long that, you know, I don't have it in me anymore. So I just want to, you know, make people laugh and smile because life's too short. You know, my brother just died last month god rest his soul from overdose oh shit, i'm sorry and uh yeah and i you know i it's sad to say but i i told him i said i'm gonna bury you and i said i've been through this like i'm your example you're older than me you should know better like i 
I've lost everything, you know what I mean? My whole life because of that stuff. And, you know, now he's dead. He left a 13-year-old daughter behind. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot easier for me to handle because I prepared myself for it because I know what drugs cause. And I tell people, there's two things, death and jail. That's it. If you're on drugs, that's the two things that's going to happen to you unless you get off of them. And I knew that if I continued down that road, I was going to die. And so my message and me spreading this word, you know, I get some people hate on me. Some people think that, you know, I'm selfish or arrogant or whatever it may be. That's okay. Cause there's always going to be people that don't like you, you know, but I just don't pay attention to the comments and get into the negativity. And I just keep spreading the love that I have. And, you know, and with that, I'm able to learn and work on myself cause I'm not perfect. And I don't, ever want people to think that I think I'm better than anyone. Shoot, if you look at my past, I'm far from better than anyone, you know? But, you know, I don't have to be that person anymore. And that's, that's the point of everything, is you don't have to be who you are right now. You can change into someone better if you choose to. So that's it, that's really what my message is, is just, you know, learn how to love yourself and don't care what people think. I don't, that's the one thing is, you know, I try not to, that's the best thing I can say is I just, I've been through too much for you to, your words don't bother me. You know, I'm alive. I'm happy. I never thought I'd be alive at 31 years old. Uh, Isaac, I think that's a great message. I think it's a great message. Uh, I love it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been awesome to have you on. I'm going to end with one last question. Okay. Um, so I've, let's see, I've seen you hanging around with some big names, including Santi Aragon in your, uh, in your and is that just from a British person? We, we don't really have these celebrities. Is that just another day in uh, in, uh, in in LA, or uh, or is that is that what are you? What, what that was that? actually um, I was at the Arnold this year, okay. the one that just passed that that was shut down. Um, I went out there to um, what was the gym, powerhouse gym, and that's where all the pros would train and stuff like that. And I have like real good fa- uh, video equipment. And my thing is, I was trying to work on the um, you know the promotional side of things. Because I, I think that I'm at a point where I'm trying to get myself recognized now yeah. because I feel that I have the skill and I've, I've put the work in to show that every year I've gotten better. And I think that my next step is to turn pro, you know, as long as I continue down this path, I don't see why I wouldn't. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm the best bodybuilder, but I think with my determination and motivation that I'll be there. So I, I, mean, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you've, I think the way you're going pro car is definitely in your future. And also I think the way you handle your social media I think that's incredible. I think you 140,000 yeah. followers on TikTok is, is fantastic. And, and I, like I say, I really like your content. Uh, I, yeah. I, yeah, the, I think- the pros, well, so I was going to say, when well, you were talking about the pros, so when I go to like big events, uh, I'm not scared. I don't think anyone's better than anyone else. So, you know, when I go up to them, I don't treat them like they're better than me or not. So I just act like they're normal people and I hang out with them and they end up liking me, you know what I mean? So I meet a lot of, you know, top bodybuilders and get along with them. And I, you know, and through the years, I've been able to have, fortunate to have some good friends who have connections. So I was able to, you know, do a video shoot with the NPC down at the exercise warehouse here in Pittsburgh, you know, um, stuff like that. So I've had some opportunities to meet people and uh, hopefully it just keeps progressing and I'm able to be the one that people want to meet and hear my story and I can help change their life. So... I think that's been a great message and uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to have you on. And in fact, some of the stuff that you said has really inspired me as well. I think it's, it's fantastic. Um, so uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, thank thank you, you very much for being on Isaac and uh, we'll call it there.
yeah, thank you guys. Anyone out there watching, if you ever have any questions or you need someone to talk to, my link will be in the uh, description below. So just contact me. Uh, it's beast mode time, baby. Let's do it. Let's get it.